Welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast with your hosts, Richard Hill and Matthew Darlitz. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. I'm Matthew Darlitz, Editor-in-Chief of the Science of Psychotherapy, and as always here with Managing Editor Richard Hill. Yeah, g'day, Matt. It's fantastic to be here. Hello, everybody. This is just uh, terrific. Um, uh, the podcast, I mean, gosh, so every one of our podcasts is really special, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes the person is really special personally. And this one is just someone that that I know you've been looking at for many years. I've had the opportunity to meet and chat with and and uh, over many years and uh, sort of as an underling. And gosh, we're sort of going to be uh, having a chat. Tell them who we're chatting with, Matt. Yes, we're going across to talk to the famous couples therapists, Harville and Helen. That's Harville Hendricks and Helen Hunt, uh, who have uh, they've written a, a ton of books and they do a lot of training. Imago therapy might be something that uh, you are familiar with. And these guys have really put dialogue between couples on the map for, for many years. No doubt if you've you know done any sort of couples therapy training uh you, you will have you'll be familiar with these guys um, absolutely about this this fabulous book i've been back getting the love you want a guide for couples mm-hmm. coming out and uh you know back in the 70s and the 80s and uh we know that it just became hugely famous it went viral in the days before um the, before we had all this uh the internet viral stuff but uh this this different style of conversation this this needing to to learn about how to be couples uh in the new New environment of the of the modern area, uh, the sort of this modern area after the sixties. So uh, we'll go back and talk to them. And remember, of course, uh, that you'll be able to listen to this, and we'll also have it on the YouTube channel mm, uh, yeah. because um, you know sometimes there's visual things uh, that come in, so you, you you'll want to have a look at it there. Fantastic. And before we jump across to Harvel and Helen, if you do appreciate what we're doing here at the Science of Psychotherapy, jump across to the scienceofpsychotherapy.net. That's our academy site. We'd love you to be part of the tribe. And we take some of these uh, podcasts and we connect them with some other material and turn it into a course which gives you a certificate for a CEU. So even though you've just listened to the podcast, if you're a member, you can pop in, find the podcast uh, and and get yourself uh, a couple of CEU points that you can use for your ongoing professional uh, uh, associations. And it's, um, it's a wonderful way to enjoy, learn and professionally develop at the same time. Fantastic. Let's go across and talk to Harvel and Helen. Harvel and Helen, thank you so much for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. It's an honor to meet you both. Thank you, Matthew. We are honored to meet you and to and to be on this podcast. We've been yes, looking forward to it. Very much. <laughs> Yes, and Richard here, uh, uh, as um, we've we've had a, a few occasions to pass by each other and uh, say good day at the IPNB conferences uh, back at uh, UCLA, uh, uh, but we haven't been there for a while, 2018, 19. But anyway, it, it's lovely to, to to see you again and and have this opportunity to talk to you about the wonderful work you've been doing that that a lot of people will know about, but uh, we need more people to know about it. And Amago therapy people will have heard of the relationship therapy you work with. But how did you get here? 
What what is some of the story that uh, if we can go back a, a a few years and Helen, how did you meet this guy? Okay, well, once upon a time, how many years ago? Uh, at least forty five. Okay, and I think this light should be turned on. Um, I heard about a guy who was divorced, and I was divorced, and they said, "Well, he's giving talks about relationships," and I went. Oh, okay, I guess I'll go. So, so I went to a little, it's a, a empty garage where there was a chalkboard and Harville stood in front of 30 of us sitting on wrought iron chairs. And he said, thank you for coming to my presentation. This presentation is about falling in love. You think you have found the perfect person. And I call this stage romantic attraction. And on the on the chalkboard, he put romantic attraction. Now, what most people don't know that is stage one in a relationship. Everyone in romantic attraction wakes up one day and they are in the power struggle. That's stage two. And he went, power struggle, stage two. And he said, now, if you learn a few things in stage two, everybody can get to stage three. He wrote that down. And uh, that was captivating. I don't think anyone has ever done that before. Talked about stages of relationship. So he began to give talks about it. And I I had gotten a master's in counseling psychology. And I had um, worked on primal therapy. I had been a primal therapist um, helping to release the inner child. And um, we began to date. And we had a good time dating. And then other therapists in Dallas began to flock to hear him talk because other therapists treated a person who came to them for therapy and they were about to divorce and they were suicidal, and um, but also angry. And it was tearing apart their family. So the therapist worked with one person. He said, and Harville said, no, don't work with one person. Walk with, work with both couples, both of the couples, and teach them how to dialogue. Yep. Well, the therapist you know, flocked, 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 and said to him, and said, Harville, this therapy needs a name. And what do you want to name it? And he said, Amago therapy, because there's an image of the caretaker within. So then he wanted to get a book written. That's when I proposed to him. I said, if you marry me, let's move to New York, get the best book agent, we'll get the best publisher, and your book will be written. And um Getting Love You Want was published, and guess who called? I'm at the New York apartment. It was the Oprah Winfrey studio. She wanted him on the show. So he went on. She took his show, submitted it to the Emmy committee, and it won Oprah her first Emmy. So she had him on 17 times. So the book is real famous and and, uh, spread around the world, even to Australia. Yeah, so I wow. I want to add to that something that a little bit precedes your story, which is that 
um, mine and Helen's meeting uh, could have, would have uh, not happened. Uh, there was a, a kind of one or two minute uh, thing that happened. Uh, and if, if, that, if, if that had not happened, we would never have met. None of this would have ever been part of history. And what it is, is that <clears throat> she was single. I was single. I didn't know her. But my, uh, I had a, a guy who lived across the street from me and here in Dallas. Uh, he were, we were buddies and good friends and both single. And his girlfriend uh, broke up with him. But, but as a, a compensatory prize, she said, I'm going to have a party. And there are 20 women in Dallas who are single. And I'm going to invite all of them to the party. And only you as a man, be 20 women and one man, and you'll have a chance to see 20 of the finest women in Dallas. And Helen was in that group of people. She was a friend to this woman. He came across the street to me and he said, here's my situation and I am terrified. Um, and would you go to the party with me? And I said, no, uh, I've, been, uh, I'm, I'm, I've been dating for now, I think uh, five years. I am tired of women. I'm tired of dating. I'm tired of uh, rerunning, retracing my adolescence. I'm not going to a party. And he said, okay, will you go with me and stay for an hour and then leave? Then I will have gotten acclimated and so forth. And if I'm not, I'll leave with you. But let's go in two cars and then you can leave. But go and stay for an hour. So I thought about it and decided I would do that. So I got there. My hour was up. And I was exiting the room, uh, and the room exited into a hallway. This house had a hallway down. I, I imagine you would go into the bathroom or something. And no, Helen was no, walking down the hallway. No, no, no. There were two rooms, and I was in another room. And you were in the other room. And they said, Helen, oh, so that's where the guy do you want to marry in the future? I said, I'm looking for a thought partner, and I'd like to marry a therapist. Yeah. And they said, well, Harville Hendricks is in the next room. And I knew he was, uh, uh, he taught pastoral counseling at Perkins Theology. Yeah. So I went up next door and decided yeah. to introduce myself to yeah. him. And I was on the faculty at SMU, Southern Methodist University, and had taught a class, an evening class uh, for SMU's psychology department. And Helen was in that class, but it was big. She sat at the back of the room, had two doors. She never came in the front door. So I actually never saw her. So when I was walking out, she's walking up and here I am and she's here. And she says, hello, uh, I think you call me Dr. Hendricks. Yeah. Hello, Dr. Hendricks. And I said, annoyingly, and who are you? Because <laughs> I'm trying to get out of that room. And she says, well, I'm Helen Kryling. And I said, so. My uh, maiden name. And that was her maiden name then. And then I had this little thing, Kryling, Kryling. Oh, uh, where have I heard that name? And I think you said something about uh -huh. I took a course from you. Uh -huh. uh, and I said, oh, yes, you're Helen Kryling. I remember your paper because I had never met her. I had no idea what she looked like. I remember your paper in that course. I usually keep one paper, no more than two. And they have to be uh, the top A-plus papers. And what an A-plus paper is, 
It's one that teaches me something that people don't just regurgitate the material. They actually are creatively respond to it. And I kept your paper. I'm pretty sure I've got your paper. So I said, I'll go to the office tomorrow and, and look and see. I went to my office the next day, pulled open the door where I put these papers, pulled it out. Sure enough, there it was. I called her and said, I do have your paper. And that began our conversation that led to your part of the story where she and I then began to interact. Um, and we weren't, we were, we were slow to date, but we had fun talking because she was very smart, very well educated. And, and so she, we were, we, you know, we were in the same ecosystem and intellectually. So that's sort of how we got together. But the piece that about it that I think is as much fun is that we were, um, uh, always uh, in conflict, e even though we were we weren't bonded or any. Just meeting, having lunch, or talking, because she knew I'd I'd written a lecture. My my dissertation was on Paul Tillich and um, and 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 Sigmund Freud on the concept of anxiety, and she had a book on uh, by Rollo May on uh Paul, on, on on Paul, Paul Tillich, Paul Tillich had never read and, that which I had before, to see but I had read it and how did I miss a book because you know your PhD from the University of Chicago you're supposed to have the full bibliography of these people I'd never heard of Rolla May's book on um and it was a personal it's book about Paulus, Paulus about mm -hmm. Paulus and, and and Tillich was Rolla May's mentor so it was kind of adoring book so we got together to talk about that. So we were having one of these arguments uh, and came home from uh, a dinner and we're at Helen's Helen's house. We both had our, we were single. So we both had our houses uh, and I was in her just, living room. Let me just insert that when we work with couples and we have a great way to present to couples on how to have a better marriage, but we start with, now, you don't know this, but most married couples are either uh, 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 an absent, they're absent to one another, and we call that a parallel relationship, or they have, because they just, they, they are in the same house and they have breakfast and dinner, but they, they, it's parallel marriage, or they have a hot marriage, and with a hot marriage, they fight. Well, we had a hot we would, dating, we would, we would, but we would argue <laughs> all the time. I mean, so in the middle of this argument in her living room, Helen suddenly yells out, stop. One of us talk and the other one, listen. Now, this was before dialogue was created. And I had a clinical practice with couples at the time. I'd, um, I was still in the university, but I was on my way out. And it it stopped us. And, you know, I'm a clinician. I notice shifts. And so I noticed I had calmed down. And then I did talk. And then she talked. And we didn't yell at each other anymore. And I thought, you know, I think I'm going to uh, put my couples through this process. So I went to the clinic. Uh, and when I saw, I started seeing my couples. And I said, okay, one of you are going to talk. And the other one's going to listen. And I didn't even, we weren't even to mirroring yet and didn't say and tell say each other back to each other, just take turns talking. And I realized that these couples calmed down. 
Mm-hmm. It was a reg- the, it was the beginning, even before the word regulation got into the, you know, the uh, the vocabulary of therapists and, you know, regulating uh, that that term is now a generic term. As regulation yeah. is the thing you have to do, get those two those brain lobes in sync with each other. Um, I noticed that, and so I kept working with couples and and noticed this was changing stuff, but it wasn't quite enough. So I asked the therapist, I mean, asked the couples, so what would you need for this to be better? And so the woman said, I wish he'd tell me back what I said. Mm. Oh, so you want him to hear what he want him to repeat to you what you said? She said, yes. And I asked him if he would do that. And he said, well, sure. And he, and he kind of did a bad job. And she said, but I'd like it to be uh, accurate. Uh, that he, so I said, well, why don't you tell him now what you'd like him to hear so he can listen again? And that began the um, the mirroring process. I hadn't named it mirroring by then. It would just say back what you heard or a reflection. So that was the. Let let me see if I got that. And then is there more about that? Yeah, but I was way away from that for, it took 10 years. Okay. But for over a period of about 10 years, I experimented with this talking, listening, now mirroring. And then one day, this couple was very good. I said, okay, what else do you need? And she said, well, I'd like you to, I'd like him to tell me that I make sense. And I said, okay. She, I said, why do you want that? She said, because he always tells me I'm crazy. You know, I, couples would do that. Well, that's a crazy thought. And and um, so he said, well, it does sound crazy. I said, but she said, I don't want you to say you agree with me. I would like you to tell me that you see how I'm thinking makes sense for me. That was a very sophisticated answer. And I realized I just heard something amazing because I thought she was wanting agreement, but she didn't want agreement. She just wanted to be seen. Mm -hmm. And she would be seen if he said, you make sense and what makes sense is. So that was the validation process. From your from where you're how you're looking at things, it makes sense sense. that you vote for that kind of political candidate. Then I said, Is there anything else you want? And she said, Well, it'd be great if he could tell me that uh, he could imagine how I might be feeling. Uh, I got got the empathy piece. Now it took me a long time to realize I had just heard the next innovation in Imago couples therapy. And that became finally formulated, formulated as the dialogue process and became the primary therapeutic intervention. So I give Helen credit for creating dialogue. And she gives Socrates credit for preceding her in the creation of the, of the dialogue process. I, I, kind of dialogue. But that's the story. Yeah, well, I want to have a look at just Helen, just a, a brief thing before I want to see that Socrates thing, because this the other thing that's really interesting, and uh, Matt and I uh, kind of came up in, through that as as well. But in that time, the seventies and eighties that that you're sort of talking about going in. There was, and from the 60s, we know there was a huge social upheaval. There's a huge social change. And the sense of relationship uh, took on a whole bunch of different meanings and a whole bunch of different roles in culture for a whole bunch of different reasons. And, you know, I think it's the Vietnam War. The mm. Vietnam War. There were so many things. So, what's beautiful, I'm hearing it is actually is that people were at the time 
re-examining uh so what is a relationship you know it was a, it was a fresh start and you were right there but most importantly is you were right there listening and as you say you you're beautifully attributing helen and she's beautifully attributing you but then we can also beautifully attribute these wonderful clients yeah, who yeah. Were, who were saying i want to be new i want to i want relationships to be different so we have to do something different and you yeah. found this this mechanism of 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 dialoguing so if i just quickly um do a summary if it's okay sort of reflect back to you what i've heard which is very amargo um so the idea is that so instead of trying to defeat each other you know argue you know to to win a point one sits there and i will say my piece to my partner and this of course we're talking a lot about um uh, romantic relationships, but this can also be in business relationships and very other oh, yes. of other areas. Right. So I express what I want to express, and if I remember the the process, uh, just adding, the other person will then say, when I finished, they say, "Is that all you have to say?" Which yeah. is, is lovely. There, is there more about that? Is there yeah, more is about that? Yeah. Is there more about that? Which just lets me have that second thought. And I maybe perhaps my nervousness, you know, rushed me. And I can go on, oh, yes. Then the other person, uh, is that is that the time when they do the, the reflection or do they then say what they want to have to say in response? Well, they have to go most of the time we want them to go to the mirroring and then check for accuracy that I get it. So and I, ref yeah. So the other person then reflects back to me what I've said and I check it for accuracy and to get that respectful acknowledgement. And then the process and, reverses. And if this, and well, with this, what, one other thing we want to add to this, this, is there more about that mm -hmm. was added along the way. And Helen, I think that you, contributed greatly to the adding and we called it creativity i mean sorry um called it a curiosity mm -hmm. curiosity uh, all right uh, what Wonder. what got clear is that people don't want to say okay i heard you now can i talk yes that's that <laughs> shut up now so that, 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 that doesn't work but if you say okay then i get you and the person says well you yeah you got me you got got enough of it i'm satisfied then if you say go to curiosity instead of my turn that then the relationship goes deeper because the mm. person now gets the, the the message that you are interested in listening because yeah. you've asked, is there more? And you have to say, is there more until no. the person says, no, there, there's no more. And then they summarize. Then they say, well, let me see if I've got it all. And then they summarize it. Then they say, well, that makes sense. And what makes sense is... And then I can imagine that with that, you must feel and then say, well, thank you for sharing with me your reality. Um, and now and thank you for listening. And now uh, I'm available to listen to you. And then they then they turn and switch. But so, it has to be full uh, set, really hold that and then appreciate it. And then uh, then switch back. But it's lovely, Matt, isn't it? That, that, that respect. Yeah. That yeah. respect and and uh, care for mm. for for mm. the other person and curiosity, of course. Mm. Matt and I and Ernie, uh, you know, we've written about it and and you know the way it, the way the brain changes in a curious state is really good. Yeah, but, uh, look, just just to add, you know, quite um, 
quite apart from, you know, going deeper and having more understanding, the framework um, can give us something that is... Uh, let me explain it this way. So a couple can come in and um, they c- it can be a, you know, a heated, uh, you know, conflict immediately. You feel like you're just a referee um, and it's it's kind of all on. But what you've given us, the framework that you've given us, then can put the brakes on that immediately. And yes. then and suddenly, suddenly it feels like we've got a lot more space. And uh, Harville's gift is structure. Yes. And simplifying the complex, like very, very clear. We left out one thing, is the empathy. I can imagine your feeling. No, I actually said that. I okay. can imagine it's mirroring, it's validating, and empathizing. it's empathizing. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. You've highlighted that. But but you had lots and lots of therapists, and they would do lots of communications. But I know there's a story of a particular New York therapist who 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 came that prompted you to uh, uh, sort of just sort of. Uh, clarify some of these ideas and you've got a lovely board you know lovely description can you tell us that story and the uh, and show us that uh, that beautiful framework that you've done on 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 dialogue we were doing actually a public workshop in Dallas and she heard about it and she flew here and um she was in the psychiatry department and um at and the university of penn. U- university of penn Pennsylvania. So she was living in Pennsylvania. And she called us a few days after we did this public workshop. And she said, uh, you do not know me. She introduced herself. Um, I, um, I'm a psychiatrist at the University of Penn. And I am frustrated that the psychiatry department, when we get a patient, they're isolated from their family. And we just put them by them. We medicate them. And we isolate them and say, get some rest. But they don't have anyone to talk to. And, uh, you know, they, and she said, when I heard your um, talk, I'm going to try to convince my department uh, people need to learn dialogue. And she said, this was her quote, and I ended up making a graphic. She came to our workshop in 20. Uh, 2018. And her sentence was, Harville and Helen, for the first time in the history of the world, um, you have made the relational sciences teachable. You can teach people how to use dialogue. So I took that away and thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. The only other person that's ever taught anybody how to use dialogue uh, was Socrates in 300 BC. Yeah. And right. Guess what? That was scary. And the Greeks didn't like it. And he was, quote, disrupting the youth. And they called him and said, stop teaching dialogue. And he went, no, I want to keep teaching. The dialogue is a different way to talk. And there's nothing wrong with dialogue. And he kept disrupting the youth. So they arrested him. And... <laughs> It's so liberating. <laughs> they arrested arrested him and they were going to uh, kill him. And the night before he was going to be killed, he took poison and killed himself. It was, yes. So after, that, after 300 BC, guess what? The pharaohs had been using monologue and the pharaohs were God. So we had serfs, slaves, slaves that obeyed the pharaoh. But then people and then emperors and there were serfs and the 
point is monologue and you do you honor the the leader and then the french got tired of that and the french had a revolution because they didn't want the king to tell them how to how, how they should live in their country and then um um america when uh they got on a boat in England and they came to the New World and began to see who the Natives Americans lived there. Well, could some people from England live there? And the king, king was in control of them. And eventually they had their uh, an American Revolution so they could have their own constitution. And so, but it was they what, what we're doing in Washington, D.C. right now in the United States is parallel monologue. The Democrats don't like the Republican Party very much, mm-hmm. and the Republicans don't like the Democrats. And guess what? They aren't using dialogue. And they're not. And this is the nature of the way we can expand this, this idea of what's going on between two romantic people. And we really can expand it. Nature has this wonderful habit of not doing having separate ideas for everything. Relationships are relationships. They have perhaps different components. Uh, but I think this um, this concept, uh, the the parallel relationship is, is just fabulous because it describes so many things, like saying, oh, yes, I, I, I hear you and I respect you and I think that's wonderful, but I totally disagree with you and I, dis- and I don't engage with you. Uh, uh, so there's this it's very important this engagement isn't it a favorite sentence of (laughs) Harville's that is a a, his Harville sentence it's a favorite of mine is he says accepting difference is the problem in a relationship if you can't accept difference you know you're the person you're living with doesn't have a chance and what I then add when we do our public workshops is I say, yes, think of nature. Mm. Na- relationships are dyadic. Nature is dyadic. Hot, cold, wet, dry, dark, light, sweet, sour. Like everything is different. So learn to accept your partner's different. <laughs> and they and they contribute to each other. And of course, if you want well, one exactly the same, go out and buy a mirror. <laughs> that's right that's uh, right but, and, I, and to some extent we talk about that with with various elements of narcissism and so on and so forth that that people seek out someone who is just going to constantly reflect themselves as different from just yeah. what we were talking about earlier Harville that when when we engage and say something that then we respond back with a, a empathetic and concerning um and aware response that that elevates the other person I I, yes. I was just talking about meeting you and saying well hello I, I, I I'm Richard Hill and 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 you just turned to me and said oh Richard yes I've 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 heard about you which was such a generous and kind things I mean all you had to do was say yes hello Richard and and, and brush me off but you didn't. You chose to to make in the moment some kind of relationship experience, and uh, and I remember it obviously, you know, very fondly to this day. Oh, well, thank you. I like myself better already. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for reminding me of that story. The one thing I want to add, Helen, to to your story is that the, as a kind of ninety thousand foot thing is that, and and you brought this as. A monologue has been the way human beings have talked 
for thousands of years than what you just said, one person talking, other per- and everybody else is supposed to listen. And that, and, and that is always made talking unsafe because you know if you have to listen, you are not going to be affirmed. You may even you know be in some way harmed so with the monological structure, but that's been the structure for probably 11,000 years, ever since the rise of civilization. Um, and that a dialogue is a, is a radically new thing in the sense that there's some, some sense that we've learned that the subjectivity is how he was talking about difference. This, uh, our subjectivities are unique. So there's no two inner worlds that's alike. So no one can say, I know what you're thinking because you don't, you know mm-hmm. what you're thinking that they're thinking, but they're probably not thinking that. So you do have to mirror and then check. And when you mirror and check, then what ultimately that creates is safety. And and it dawned on us along the way is that that is the non-negotiable quality of a high-functioning relationship, whether it's a marriage or whether it's employees at work, the the employer-employee relationship, families or whatever. If it's not safe, then the only thing that your brain knows to do is be protective. And when you're protective, then your creativity may continue, but it'll be creative new ways to protect myself. It will not be pure creativity in which forms can come into being that are not based on defensiveness. So anyway, it's, it's just become, so we have decided that this particular uh, structure of conversation can be taken out of the therapeutic realm uh, and inserted into the public at large. Mm. And we've done that, and we now call that Safe Conversations, and we've launched a global social movement to teach this to 3.2 billion people in the next 30 years. So we've given ourselves a job, but we think it's a job that will actually move. And it, we won't do it, but as people, more and more people do it, it will move uh, human consciousness to the fourth stage of what we call uh, human evolution, which is to move from an individualistically oriented culture to a relationship-centered culture. And I think then we'll be in a totally evolved, all human beings will be in a totally evolved space. Could I make yeah. one comment? Please. If I say this, it's the last thing I have to say. <laughs> oh, no. Um, that, that, no. that the reason to do it, it's not just for your relationship, but you have a healthier brain. Yeah. And you're the one that gets to relax. Neuroplasticity is changing everything. The more you say, is there more about that? You develop the part of the of uh, your brain. And yeah. I think both know about that. Fantastic. Yeah. So safe conversation dialogue is um it's like health food for your mental acuity. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so as yeah. as we as we sort of wrap up, um, we are talking to a lot of thera- we, we have a lot of therapists that follow us and will be listening. And so I'd be keen to um, get you to explain. You've I mean you've written a lot of books and you've done a lot of training. Um, now you have a, a platform uh, where therapists can go and receive training. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah. that? 
And and also the international uh, frameworks for those, because we're all around the world on on this podcast. Yep. So if if anybody's interested in becoming trained in Imago therapy, you should go to imagorelationships.com. And there you can click training uh, and or or for a therapist, if you will. We have about, I think, 2,500 therapists in 61 countries Mm, now. Wow. and find people all over the world. Um, if people want to find Helen and me, we do a couples workshop, couples intensives, about once a month at the moment, or once every other month, depending on how the schedule goes. We're at harvelandhelen.com. And there's where our schedule and schedules of what we personally do. All the professional stuff is on Imago Relationships. No, it's imagorelationships.org, imagorelationships.org. People want to join the global social movement, which is what we're inviting to do so that we can ultimately have a relational world. Go to safeconversations.com okay. and that will tell you how to get there, become a part of that movement if you want to. You become trained to be a presenter of dialogue in a special form to the general public. Fantastic. Uh-huh. That's wonderful, and and so we've we've gone through beautiful story, we've gone through uh, uh, peppering it all the way through with information and and, and knowledge. We've actually uh, described so beautifully the the actual dialogue process and the safe listening process, and now we've given uh, places for people to go because a podcast like this can introduce and talk about. But everybody go now and search out those things. Uh, uh, and so we we know with our podcast that, that that everybody runs away after a certain period of time. So we're coming towards the end. But before we close up, uh, certainly closing comments from you. But also, is there something particular that we've missed uh, that's important? Uh, and otherwise, just your closing comments, if you'd be so kind. Well, uh, wait, there's one thing we didn't say. So I was thinking, oh, we left out one thing. Um, we have a new definition of a relationship. People typically think a new a relationship is anyone who's met each other, be it family or friends, and they know each other and they know their history. I mean, they they have done things together. Our definition of a relation, and you know, those relationships can be polarized or they could be good ones. We have a different definition definition of relationship. Uh, due to a book we read by Martin Buber, the Jewish mystic. And um, and we think a relationship is two people and the space between them. Mm-hmm. And Martin Buber said that people treat each other typically like I, it. And if Harville said he would marry me, well, he, he said he wants me to be happy. And the minister said, you should be happy ever after. What well, your job is to make me happy in the marriage. And Harville's thinking, no, Helen's job is to make me happy. And um, Martin Buber said, if two people are treating each other like an I, it, um, they won't succeed and they need to treat each other like an I, thou like an I-thou, and Martin Buber says, when two people shift from the I-it to the I-thou, the universal energies of love flows between the two people and into the space between them. 
And people might say, well, that's silly. And there's nothing there. It's an energy field. There mm-hmm. is something there. Yeah. And this is why when Harville is willing to use dialogue with me, I, I begin to relax because I know there's, there's going to be safety in the space between. Mm-hmm. And if I use, um, um, if I use our structure of, may I make a request to have a dialogue with you tonight, then you will feel safe. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we begin uh, all of our workshops with couples that an energy feel, oh, and Boover says the energy of love begins to throw, flow through the two people into the space between them. So that's where we got the concept of the space between. It does look invisible, but it's an energy field. And we tell our couples, your job is to be safe when you're with the other, your partner. Yes. And um, and you you can be safe with them if you use dialogue. And uh, yeah. maybe you're disagreeing about political parties, but have a relaxed, gentle conversation about it. It's okay if they vote different; they're different. Yeah. But it's it's about uh, an energy feel. You yeah, and the, the couples will go. I get it. I can feel his energy yeah. when he walks yeah. in the room if he's yeah. mad, and oh. I'm scared to be around him. <laughs> and <laughs> and it matters. And it matters. When I, I I was just thinking the, the other day we were in the shopping centre and uh, uh, the millions and millions of people, and then I saw Susie's uh, my wife's curly hair, and I you could just feel like everybody else just disappeared, and there was just this uh, this this flow of connection. Right. And then she looked up at me, and it was just uh, uh, a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, the, the, and I just want to add to Helen, the space between is our operating construct now, is that we do therapy here. This is where life is lived. And, mm. uh, and preceding this for about 150 years since Freud, we've all thought life was lived inside. Mm. But life is actually lived in the space between, and we record it, and that makes it the, the space between go inside. And since you've asked us where people can reach us, and this is for therapy, I thought I would take advantage of that and let people know that that we have now an academic book on uh, imago therapy called Doing Imago Relationship Therapy in the Space Between. And so if you take it on, it's about 450 pages, but it is a thorough and systematic presentation of all of Imago theory and all of Imago practice. And this can be gotten in anywhere you can get books. Uh, so Fantastic. thank you for letting me put, put that out. Oh, no, we're, we're, we'll, they, may want to, they may want to read it. Yeah, we'll put links to all these things uh, on the, the 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 notes for this, and we hope people are looking more. And this this Matt and I, I know I can see actually Matt's, I can feel Matt's brain thinking because we've got this lovely relationship as well. We're going, oh, there's lots of things we can do and help and contribute here. So we'll yeah. have to see what uh, see what what more we can contribute to to this process a little later down the track. But but Thank for you. now. We want to thank you so much for sharing so much with us. That was absolutely beautiful. Thank yeah. you for having us. We felt such a generous gesture on your part to invite us on and to give mm-hmm. us the free flow of the conversation. So thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. This was a pleasure, indeed mm-hmm. a pleasure. And I have heard of you, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I am raised up another foot. It's beautiful. <laughs> what about you? Yes, ah, you too. <laughs> See, I'm I am known. I love it. You are known. Yes.
It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for, for joining us here. Thank bye you for that. Bye bye. I, I, you know, we really just scratched the surface there, mm. but but we got into the essential elements. But I think what was yeah. magic, and I don't know about a lot of other people, but I didn't know all that personal story. I no, I love the, 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 I love their story. Hey, <laughs> oh, wasn't it great? That's just a yeah. real privilege. I mean, I, I don't know what they'll think about it, but I reckon they've that reached a, a, an iconic sort of status. Yeah, and you yeah. just hearing about their humanity is is really touching. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. And I'm really encouraged by where they're taking, you know, their safe conversations, dialogue sort of to like to cities and, and beyond. This will be a space to watch, I think. Uh, Harvel, you know, he's a, he's a clever bloke. You know, he, mm. he first started uh, studying uh, philosophy and then theology and then psychology. You know, he's he's got his head around a, a lot of disciplines now to be able to sort of be speaking to city leaders, country leaders. You know, I think this is very important. Yeah, I've I've seen him do a, a stadium. Uh, it mm. was in Dallas. The, the the mayor of Dallas got behind them, and they they uh, they actually had you know thousand people, you know more two thousand, three thousand. I don't know, and they were all in there having these conversations and having these these beautiful dialogues and yep. and changing. Uh, you know, they were walking out. It wasn't just that they came out motivated. Although I know a lot of uh, you know motivational things can be terrific, but they came out more mm. connected, and yeah. uh, I think that's the greatest motivation of all. Fantastic. Well, look, uh, there will be links in the show notes as normal. So if you do want to connect with uh, Harvel and Helen and everything that they're doing, check out the show notes. And once again, you know, if you do appreciate what we're doing here at the Science of Psychotherapy, we'd love you to connect with us uh, and become part of the tribe over at the scienceofpsychotherapy.net. Um, and also check us out if you're just listening to us on a podcast, uh, check us out at our YouTube channel. That'll be YouTube at the Science of Psychotherapy, and uh, we've got a lot of stuff there for you as well. And click on the subscribe button there. That's absolutely free. Okay, thanks, Richard, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. For more great science, go to thescienceofpsychotherapy.com.